You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show, the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We don't have any new callers, I don't think, so let's start with Trever. Hey, Ryan. Uh, somebody's calling right now. I forget who. I apologize to whoever that is. But um, they're talking about making a case for keeping a seventh wide receiver on the roster. And um, you're kind of saying it's a minimal return. And I also I think with Matt LaFleur, it's even more of a small return. Like I think keeping a seventh made sense sometimes. Um, back in the Mike McCarthy days when we, you know, we split him out four wide a lot. Um, LaFleur doesn't do that, and he's definitely going to do it less even with Love, I feel like, than we did with Rodgers. Um, you know, it's a heavy tight end formation, so you're not, you're even more not getting that return from that seventh guy. And, um, on top of that, we're not losing that seventh guy. I don't, I don't see anybody snagging, um, whoever it is. I don't, I can't, you said Bo Melton, I think, and maybe another guy, whoever's seen as a seventh. I think whoever it is, is a practice squad player, and the only time we're going to need them is in the case of, injury troubles or whatnot. So, um, you know, they're going to be on the practice squad. They're going to still be learning the playbook and everything and be able to be called up if if needed. Um, so I, I definitely don't see a few more than six with the floor scheme. Um, and I, but I don't think that means we lose the person, like the whatever that receiver is. Um, like I said, I think they'll be practice squad. So um, anyway, go back, go. Yeah, so obviously we're beyond all this, but that that is – Look, even Brian Gutekunst basically has alluded to the practice squad being just an extension of the roster. Whether somebody's on the practice squad or on the 53-man roster, it doesn't make that big of a difference. If you're on the practice squad, it means you can't play. But who gives a crap? I mean, let's say you're the biggest Grant DeBose or Bo Melton fan in the world. The difference between him being on the practice squad and him being on the 53 is almost zero. So, you know, look, we have to overload somewhere. And there's going to be a bunch of areas all over the place where you can make the same case for a seventh wide receiver as anything else, right? Like Brenton Cox, probably not going to get a massive amount of playing time, although that's not the greatest example. Um, Eric Wilson, probably not going to see him very much. You know, uh, Dallin Levitt, I mean, not including special teams. We're hopefully never going to see him on defense. Or you could say Anthony Johnson, if you just want to talk about overall. How much is he going to play? Probably not very much. Caleb Jones, that dude ain't going to play. Does it make that big of a difference if he's on the 53 as opposed to the practice squad? No. It just doesn't. And and again, that's why I like... I mean, look, this stuff is exciting, but I'm I'm over it. <laughs> because all we're talking about is people that have as close to zero relevance for the rest of the next six months as is, could possibly be attainable. We're not talking about... Aaron Jones, we're not talking about Christian Watson, we're not talking about Luke Musgrave, or David Bakhtiari, or Kenny Clark, or Rashawn Gary, or Jair Alexander. We don't, we haven't mentioned Jair's name like five times in the past month. But boy, have we talked about Carrington Valentine a billion times. We haven't talked about Darnell Savage, but we want to talk about Dallin Levitt. 
We won't talk about Quay, but we'll talk about Tariq Carpenter. We're not talking about Rashawn. We're talking about Brenton Cox. Instead of Kenny, we're talking about Jonathan Ford. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's just, it's a fun little game is all it is. It's a fun game to play. Who's going to make it? Who's going to not? It's, it's like fantasy football. It's, it's a game. And it may have repercussions at some point. If there's a bunch of injuries or if we're really looking into the future, which I know nobody is because nobody likes to look into the future. Nobody enjoys that. If I were to do a mock draft just for, what is it, six months from now? Seven months? Eight months? Everybody lose their freaking mind. Talk to me about developing guys in the next two to three years. Yeah, right. Nobody cares. So, we have a 53. We have a practice squad. There's probably going to be some changes, picking people up, take dropping people off, continue to make phone calls about things, whatever. But I'm very ready to start focusing on our superstars and not people at the very bottom of the roster. Hey, Ryan. Daniel from California. Hey. So, uh... Over the weekend, I got into a Instagram back and forth on a reel talking about the Packers. All right. And who was I going against? A former um, practice squad NFL quarterback and a quarterback for NFL Europe. Okay. And also a college head coach and offensive and coordinator at some point. Well, then there's no reason for you to finish the call, because I've been told if the guy has played in the NFL, then he would obviously know what he's talking about, and you obviously don't. So I think we're done with this call. There's nothing else to discuss, right? Now let's listen to it anyways, I guess. I believe as well, but... So there was a... The video basically said the Packers have a good chance to be good because Love has put in the work with the young guys. That's the thing that we didn't have last year, and... He, uh, they have a chance to be to have 11 wins, and then this guy's response to was inter- interesting take. Um, you don't lose a Hall of Famer and get better. <laughs> Do you see why I'm skeptical of the appeal to authority thing? The guy played football professionally. He doesn't sound very bright, though. I mean, that that that's not on its face. That makes no sense. That argument makes no sense I don't need to re-articulate that for the 500th time unbelievable so I interjected and basically said all the performance advanced metric data right not CFS like the actual like statistics the advanced metrics had a lot of Aaron Rodgers passing stuff you know you know below QB 20 like for a big example of EPA right you know, he had a four-point EPA swing, right? I didn't get that into detail, but I said a lot of the metrics had him, you know, QB 20 or lower. And he just, like, his whole thing was, all right, you know, you don't lose the Hall of Famer. Everything that we did last right. year had... And that's what a lot of people will do. I'm surprised. I thought for sure you were going to say he was going to appeal to the tape, which maybe you're going to say that in a little bit. But you get that a lot, too, where it's just, this is my one argument, and I'm going to stick to it, which is the dumbest thing. Like, no, but but he wasn't, he didn't play like a Hall of Famer last year, so that argument doesn't work. If you want to say we're going to drop off from 13 wins back when he played like a Hall of Famer, or MVP would make more sense. Hall of Famer is stupid. Hall of Famer doesn't mean anything. Brett Favre is a Hall of Famer. Do you think he'd be a good football player right now? No, he would be dog crap. Hall of Famer doesn't mean anything. MVP means something. 
assuming you're appealing to that MVP season. I just, it's, it's just stupid. Aaron Rodgers stamp on it. Look, you know, look how everything was. You know, the whole story was about young receivers and not getting continuity. It's like, well, you can't use that argument because the Hall of Famer didn't put the work in, right? Like, like I, I don't under, you know, these guys, they don't come with logic, and I had to give up on this guy because it's just, he, you know, they throw out the word Hall of Famer. It's just like, well, we could be. You know, and my argument was is if we have seven or eight wins, but, you know, does that make us the same? He goes, no, because you can still have the same wins and be a, a worse team. And I'm like, damn, he's a Ryan argument. But, you know, if he is a nobody quarterback and, and is able to get the same win total, does that mean we have a brighter future? I think so, right? Because we're in a spiraling, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy with Rodgers where we can't get over the hump. So let's try something new. He's older anyways, and we found the future. This guy, he just, you know, it's just all, all he can do is say, you know, Hall of Famer. That's all he can do. So, I don't know, a little frustrating, but I'm excited. Let's go this season. Let's prove people wrong. Even former practice squad NFL Europe players. Let's get it. I'm ready. Go, Paco. It's amazing to me how little thought people put into things. Like, the, the fact that he actually felt comfortable formulating that sentence, and the, and the fact of the matter is he didn't just think of that in this moment. He's had this belief for a long time. It's not like he's th- this video popped up and, and just all of a sudden he's like, oh, wait, Packers, let me think here. Uh, no, he... And, and, and there's so many people that have that thought process. In fact, I would say most people, which is shocking and terrifying to me, that most people are such shallow thinkers... That that's the best they can do. I'm, I'm talking like major media figures and the vast majority of NFL fans. The most that they can do intellectually is to say, Rodgers Hall of Famer, Rodgers gone, Packers must be worse. That's it. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I don't even know what to say about that. It's staggering to me how devoid of thought that is. And again, it's why... There is not any one person that you should turn over your thinking to. Anybody. I don't care who they are. I don't care what it is they think that they know. I don't care where they've been. I don't care what they've done. Because the smartest people on planet Earth are the ones that have said some of the dumbest crap ever. I'm coming to the belief that almost every single human being on Earth is a prisoner to their presuppositions. I'm getting a little bit off on a tangent, but... The vast majority of people start with what it is they think they know. How they came to that conclusion, I don't know. It's usually, which is what's really crazy about it, it's usually based on almost nothing. But man, they will hold to it as though they've dedicated their life to this one issue. But the problem is people start there. And that's where you get into problems, whether it be stats or film. It doesn't really matter what the thing is. They're both valuable tools. But the fact of the matter is people will start with their belief and then they'll work backwards from there. You want to know something? Go learn it for yourself. Don't listen to people just because they say so. At least not on that issue. Like, if if you want to figure out the film because you want to determine how good or bad Jordan Love is, learn about film from somebody who knows about film and then go assess Jordan Love by yourself. That would be much better than, than actually asking the question about Jordan Love because you may have people with their own personal things going on. And I'm not, I'm, I'm, I mean, the people that are doing the breakdowns or whatever, they seem to be doing just fine. But I'm, as a general matter, same with statistics. 
Another thing that's staggering to me is how bad places, for example, like PFF are at even understanding their own statistics and their own grades. It's like, <laughs> man, you guys give your, your own organization a bad reputation, I tell you what. But that's why I've always also said, create a standard first and then go assess. Don't assess and then build a standard around what you want the result to be. If you're not doing that, if you're starting with what you want to be true, don't trust yourself. And if you think you're slick and you're going to throw it on social media and get away with it, you're not. Because you're going to find somebody like me who's going to go check for himself. People are going to check and they're going to make you look stupid. So just don't do that. Anyways, we're off on a tangent here. Uh, Kyle's got another one for us. Hey, Kyle again. So as we turn our attention to the the Bears game, I was thinking as I was watching the game the second time, you know, how do you take advantage of the fact that there's limited film on love right now? And conversely, if you're the Bears, what of the limited film are you going to try and play off of? And kind of two things come to mind. I'm wondering if the Bears aren't going to dare him to throw deep. Mm -hmm. I probably, if it's me, I probably would. Um, Because you don't have a lot to go on from a defensive standpoint. I'm sure they'll try big-time blitzes and see how he reacts to that kind of pressure, but... The way that those slants and double slants have been working, um, I mean, it seems like somebody's open every time. Sometimes Love misses them in the first window, but those slants seem to be open all the time, and when he sees it and gets it out, like, one, two, three, boom, that's been pretty much open. So I feel like they can dial some blitz beaters up rather effectively, um, at least in structure. And then we've seen kind of what he can do with his feet. It seems like he can usually make the first guy miss, which is huge. Um, the other thing, though, from a Packers perspective, I wonder if they're watching, if the Bears are watching the film and they're seeing these, um, you know, I called it Monday and, or, uh, Sunday, it was aired Monday, talking about how when he sees the DB's back, he's throwing that thing up 50 50, whatever you want to call it. I'm wondering if the Bears DBs are going to be clued into that and if they're not going to be coached to, sit on that route, try to make a house call the other way. And so if I'm the Packers, I probably would play into that a little bit uh, and try for that fade in the back corner. That's what the DBs have been defending against, but we've been kind of going, I don't know if he's trying to do a back shoulder or what exactly where the ball place is supposed to be. I mean, it's been working. Um, He could probably get a little sharper with the ball placement, but you know, I think we've gone to that well a few too many times. So I feel like the Bears DBs are going to be looking for that. And so maybe, you know, you fake like that's coming and then you just turn, you know, towards that corner and try to drop it in there and just see if you can get them um, playing for that play. And I think the same thing on that, um, we didn't do it quite as much this week, but the last two weeks, you really liked hitting Watson, you know, kind of in the flat for like that three to five yards. And I just think you've got to be a little bit careful uh, about a DB sitting on that. So maybe fake to that, you know, try to play into the tendencies we've shown in this limited sample size and just see if you can get the Bears defense to just to manipulate them based on the film so far. All right. Talk to you later. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a it's a fun question. I think it's, it's way too impossible to answer. I mean, just from the, the first standpoint is, do you focus on attacking a weakness or playing to your own strengths, right? Because you can say the best thing we can do, like, for, for example, you look at Jordan Love's weaknesses, let's say, and you don't exactly know what they are, but you have limited 
sample, and so you, you think you found a weakness and you try to exploit it. And let's just say one of those things is pressure, which is a obviously a big picture thing, but just use this as an example. Your team is not built to generate pressure, and you shouldn't expect to be able to generate pressure, especially against this offensive line. You don't have the pieces on your side, and you're not going to beat the Packers' offensive line. That doesn't mean you don't try, but if you especially focus on that being your winning strategy, you're setting yourself up to fail. So I'm a little torn because on one hand, if you have a really bad defense, I would say you want to focus on keeping things simple and focus on playing to your strengths. On the other hand, the Packers have a rookie kind of quarterback, a first-year starting quarterback. And so I'm sure there's temptation there to try to take advantage of that, which would be disguised coverages and things of that nature. And I don't know, I'm torn on the deep thing. I've, I've made that point myself. And I think to some degree it does make sense. First of all, I think the Packers are generally going to want to try to attack the short to intermediate part of the field. It's what Matt LaFleur seems to like to do. It's what Jordan Love seems to excel at. The problem is if you're the Bears and you do that, you have to know. Because it's it's one thing if a team refuses to throw the ball deep down the field. It's another thing if they're very willing, they just have been struggling to some degree. And by some degree, I'm talking like they're, they're still hitting quite a few of these. So you have to know, like with Jordan Love... The way that the Packers offense has been playing is we're going to attack the short to intermediate, but if the if the ball is there, throw it. And he always does. So you have to know if you're the Bears, this ball is getting thrown. So now it's a question of do you trust your corners, your DBs, to be able to cover the Packers guys? That's a tough ask. So it might almost be easier to just not do that, to just play very vanilla across the board. We've got our, our front four. We're going to attack with these guys. We're going to play coverage. We're going to play, you know, pretty basic, too high coverage to make sure they don't beat us. The Packers got a lot of speed, not just Watson, but with Musgrave and with Reed. These guys can fly down the field. Even Dobbs has been beating people down the field. So we're going to keep our safeties back. We're going to drop our linebackers. And we're going to trust that these guys can't run the ball because the run blocking is trash. And then let them dump it off two to three to four yards and we'll just attack downhill. And we'll try to get them off the field and trust that eventually Jordan Love will make a mistake or somebody will have a drop or something. If I had to guess, that would be it. And I don't think everybody's going to play it that way, but I just think the Bears have so many deficiencies. You can't trust your pass rushers. You can't trust your guys in coverage enough to bring extra pass rushers. You can't trust your your corners in coverage because they're not good. So I would probably just rather play back, let them try to attack in the middle of the field, let them slowly try to bleed you down the field, wait for an opportunity, and get them off the field and get your offense back out there. Again, that's just a complete guess, but... That would be, I guess, kind of where I'm leaning. But we'll see. Hey, Ryan. It's Wayne from Illinois. Hey. Not Alaska. <laughs> Illinois. Uh, I'm the one that had said 17 wins for the Packers. All right. I got to change it so I don't get an early call. And mainly I was kind of disappointed at how little respect the Packers are getting from other Packer fans before the training camp began. I mean, one of the most optimistic optimistic fans is Clayton, and he would say, I don't know, maybe six, maybe eight, maybe ten. So I was just <laughs> trying to tell everybody, just, hey, until you know for, for sure, go ahead and go big. And so recently I've been hearing people say, you know, ten and twelve wins. So in that original phone call that I had, I was saying 17, but that was just kind of tongue-in-cheek. I get it. If you were ever to dig back through it, I also said 12. Would you like so me to change what it? That's my real number is right, for the year. Let's do 12. But if you want to leave me at 17, that's nope. fine, too. Pull the average up. I was at the game Saturday. Lots of kids were there. 
lots of, you know, 20 and 30 year olds with, with their sons and so on. So it's kind of neat to see that it's going down another generation. When Magoo was out there at quarterback, I heard some lady behind me, it's second down. You know, he's number 17. It's second down. Why do they have the kicker out there? <laughs> so, uh, thought that was kind of funny and people explained to her that two people can have the same number at least in the preseason that's all for now yeah i mean i i as far as the optimism part of him i guess i guess you would probably call me a pessimist as well um i i i can't predict 12 wins i i mean it's it's just 12 wins is high for a Super Bowl caliber team, you know, like even even the Chiefs, you're looking at it going, eh, maybe twelve. That's like top end. I understand if you're talking about like just talking, like if we're just talking, we're we're talking trash on social media, whatever the case may be. All right, fair enough. But if you took you know ten grand out of my wallet because I'm freaking rolling like that, can't close my wallet or sit down, but it's there. Got a ten thousand dollar bill. You take it out of my bank account and slap it on the table in front of me and say, get within one game of their win-loss record? <sighs> I mean, I, I, I've refused to do a prediction up to this point, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily going to do a prediction. I'm just kind of gauging based on how I'm feeling. I'm certainly more optimistic than I was because Jordan Love was the biggest question mark for me. And I, I legitimately was leaning toward he's probably not going to be very good. Now I'm leaning more toward he's probably going to be kind of good, but I don't know, you know, again, when there's mistakes, how often are those going to rear their ugly head? On top of having, honestly, being somewhat more pessimistic about the defense. For the defense, it's just, I'll believe it when I see it. It's not hard to make a case for the defense. It's really not. But I, I can't just say they're going to be good because I have no idea been saying that freaking song and dance for how long and we never get a top 10 defense like it just or a top five defense especially we, it just it doesn't happen in green bay doesn't matter when we had zadarius and preston like the best pass rush duo in football and jair and kenny was playing better and adrian amos was just a freak like we had all these studs we still couldn't put a good defense together so you know i know we have the pieces i get it and I'm excited for the fact that I do think we're probably going to be able to be competitive slash slightly better than, I mean, at, at, I guess I'll say at worst, slightly better than a lot of these bad teams. And, and most teams, again, as I said, are not very good. So on, on a scale of like, are we the best team in football? Like, there's just too many questions. Are we better than the team that had the number one pick in football last year? I would safely say yes. I mean, everything would have to be catastrophically bad. And even then... We're about on an even playing field with the Chicago Bears. Doesn't mean we have to win. Sometimes the better team loses. But I, I don't know. I really don't know. Again, way too many variables, but just based on what I saw, I mean, Jordan Love looks at least to be a top 15 quarterback, which is around where Rodgers was, depending on what metrics you want to look at. Jones and Dillon should be fine. The offensive line should be one of the better ones we've seen, just based on the fact of, of continuity. Musgrave, I have a high level of optimism for. Watson, the arrow is way down for me, largely because Love and Watson do not seem to be on the same page. I have no doubt in his talent. I just don't see it being utilized, and I don't know how long that's going to take, if it's going to come together, when it's going to come together. I don't mind him force-feeding Dobbs, but that's not where the high-end talent is, in my opinion. So hopefully they figure that out sooner than later. 
I feel genuinely or, or generally good about Jaden Reed. I don't know that we we should expect superstar status, but he's he's proven to be serviceable. Defensive line is is a big question mark for me. Kenny has fallen off the face of the earth. Devontae Wyatt, it's looking real bad in the preseason, like devastatingly horrible. Wooden and Brooks look good, but that's in the preseason against backups, and I, I have genuine questions about run defense. Pass rush, I'm very excited about, just across the board. Just if, if for no other reason, everybody else might suck, I like Rashawn. I have full faith in Rashawn Gary. I'm hopeful for Devondre to come back. I, I, there seemed to be some good news from uh, Brian Gutekunst. I was kind of worried when we kept Tariq Carpenter at first, but looks like uh, that was just for, presumably for stashing reasons, but I guess I don't know. I, I, I haven't seen the final result of what's going on. I haven't really been watching. Anyways, the point is, there's reasons to be excited. There's still too many questions. And so I think the standard is about eight or nine wins. Just if you just said, I'm not going to tell you the team, you guess how many wins this random team has. I'm just going to pull a team out of, out of a hat. I think if you shot for about nine, you'd, you'd have a good chance. Twelve is basically saying I think the Packers are Super Bowl contenders. Like, as in, they should be in the Super Bowl. So I, again, I may fall into that camp, I guess. Because, oh man, I'm, 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 I feel like, you know, you kind of just get a feel, but I'm, I'm having a hard time putting my finger on a number here. Like 10 feels optimistic, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, but not really. But then if you look at how many games you have to win, I mean, I know the number's 10, but when you go through the roster and understand, like, you could lose any one of these games, but you just consistently don't. It's just win, 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 law, win, 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 law, win, win, you know? I don't know. I don't know. If you wanted an honest assessment, I don't know that I could give you a number. I, I just, I don't know. You would have to answer a bunch of questions for me. Maybe that's what I could do. Try to get my gut feeling on what each of these components is and then figure out what team that looks like. And then you can kind of go from there. I don't know. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take a quick break. If you'd like to support the podcast, please feel free to do so. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can do that. Thank you very, very much to Chris Walco for your support on Patreon. That is greatly, greatly appreciated. Otherwise, if you want to support the podcast but don't like the monthly stuff, Venmo is Packernet Podcast. Also remember to check out uh, Grass-Fed Cooperative. Use promo code PACKER10, capital P, PACKER10. You get 10% off your order. Take a break. We'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. 
In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. What's up, Ryan? It's Aaron from Eau Claire. Um, say, a couple weeks ago, I saw a... Mike Greenberg clip from his whatever show he's on on ESPN, I think. Um, and he was basically saying in very strong, confident language, Justin Field is going to be the next star in the NFL. And then, and so, of course, anytime you say that without knowing, of course, you're setting yourself up to um, <laughs> look, look, pretty stupid, uh, right, because you've not seen it yet. And so I guess I, I, I don't understand why people can't just say, you know, I think th- that there's a chance that he could become a star or something like that. But whatever, it's a sensationalist take, um, which makes it all the more satisfying to watch um, the JT O'Sullivan quarterback school video where he break, breaks down Justin Fields' latest preseason game, and it's just <laughs> eviscerating his play. Yeah. Um, and it's on all different levels. Like, well, first of all, the play design doesn't really make any sense. Second of all, the footwork is all over the place. Third of all, he's looking in all the wrong places. I don't know why he made that decision. That guy wasn't open. I don't know why you would throw it inside on a back shoulder fade. Like, I mean, if if you want a fun, satisfying uh, Justin Fields evaluation that sort of um, proves what we've been talking about with Justin Fields, I mean, that's a pretty good video to watch, I think. Yeah. Um. So anyways, I just, I, I really don't understand the, the hype like you've been talking about this whole time, um, except maybe that there's some, just kind of some innate desire that people want uh, to believe in these really, like, uh, dynamic running quarterbacks, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's just the entertainment factor of the dual threat quarterback who can sit there and take off for 30 yards when the play breaks down. Uh, maybe there's just some entertainment value there that gets people's attention. I, I'm not really sure because um, it just doesn't look like 
he's able to do much. I mean, I think he had three straight three and outs to start the game. And let him continue. He got cut off there. Oops, got cut off. Don't know where uh, I was last talking, but but I was going to say, I mean, just watching highlights from even the first other uh, preseason examples, like the first game where he had a couple of those uh, screen passes that went for touchdowns. Um, you know, people are saying like, well, you know, it's not his fault that they went for touchdowns, whatever. Um, but if you watch some of those throws, they're not even they're not even um, helping to hit the receiver in stride um, or the uh, running back or whoever it was. Um, it's like the running back or the, the, the player who caught it and then ran for the touchdown had to, like, stop, like, reach backwards for the, for the screen pass, change directions, and then hit the Jets. So it's almost like despite the awkward – throwing position that they were put in, uh, they still made the play. So I don't know. It, it's it's just kind of a mystery to me sometimes why why people get this um this unearned praise, I guess, would be a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of some other players that have been like this over the years, but that is the question, isn't it? Name one player who's been as bad as Fields, who's gotten as much praise as Fields. Ever. Ever, 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 ever. Even close. I can't think of anybody who's been slightly better. I mean, who... uh, Let's just start with this. Who has gotten more praise in the last several draft classes? I, I, I don't know. There's nobody in this draft class. I mean, hardly anybody's even talking about Richardson, Stroud, or Young. right? Kenny Pickett, significantly stronger case for him being a really good quarterback this year than Justin Fields. I've laid out that case already. Nobody's talking about the guy. Trevor Lawrence is, right now, there's like a big debate about who's better between Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Trevor Lawrence is one of the best quarterbacks to come out since Peyton freaking Manning took a massive leap from year one to year two. The only reason year one was as bad as it was, we all seem to acknowledge, was because the head coach was a freaking joke and got fired for it. He was a disaster. The next year he comes out, he looks fine. Is he as good as everybody had hoped? No. But he's significantly better than Justin Fields. Mac Jones is better than Justin Fields. Everybody hates Mac Jones. Justin Fields is basically Zach Wilson with legs, and Zach Wilson is a guy that everybody's given up on, and Justin Fields is a potential MVP candidate this year, according to some people. I think there are two quarterbacks that anybody gives a crap about since the 2021 draft class. So the last essentially three years, there's only two quarterbacks that anybody talks about. It's Trevor Lawrence, who's actually good, and it's Justin Fields, who's garbage. I mean, I'm not even entirely sure that Joe Burrow gets a ton more. I mean, I think it's understood that Joe Burrow's better, but again, in order to, there's only one MVP. There's only one. The fact that people are legitimately putting him in the MVP conversation means better than Mahomes, better than Burrow. I mean, Tua is a significantly better quarterback. Nobody talks about Tua the way they talked about Fields. Herbert is a better quarterback. Nobody talks about him. Jalen Hurts is the only one that gets more talk. And did you hear what happened to LaShawn McCoy when they said that Justin Fields was a poor man to Jalen Hurts, which was wildly offensive to Jalen Hurts? and complimentary of Justin Fields, they lost their mind. How dare you say that he's a poor man's Jalen Hurts? Jalen Hurts took two major leaps 
and then took his team to the Super Bowl. And you're not allowed to even consider Justin Fields as a lesser version of Jalen Hurts, which again, is absurd on its face that you would even consider putting Fields anywhere near, even in the poor man category, of a Jalen Hurts. There is nobody else getting this amount of hype. And for the life of me, I do not get it. And you could say it's the mobility thing, but where's the Lamar? I mean, Lamar did have a decent amount of hype. Maybe it's just because he won MVP and that everybody just kind of calmed down like, okay, fine. Plus, he's been hurt a lot, so it's like, yeah. So maybe all that energy just shifted over to fields. I don't really know. It's why I really hope Anthony Richardson is quite good at football. Give all the people that are obsessed with running something else to focus on. Go look at him. Go worry about him. Do not understand it. Um, you know, uh, it's, it, and then you get players like Kirk Cousins, who everyone just uh, <laughs> takes the crap all over all right. the time. And he is far and away He's a more a very accomplished good and uh, more successful quarterback than Justin Fields. So I don't know. Everybody the only thing is. I think is they just want him to succeed because you know there's some entertainment value in the whole running thing. But um, but yeah, that just makes me all the more excited for Week One. And uh, here's to hoping that our secondary and our pass rush can just absolutely go up there and pressure him to make bad decisions and go away with a blowout win. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I, I hate to be the wet blanket. I'd be stunned if it was a blowout. I just would. It just seems, it seems unlikely that this team's first time together they're going to hang like 40. You know what I mean? Um, I think there's going to be some growing pains, which means there's going to be, I mean, look, you're going to have drop passes. And what does that mean? That means you probably didn't convert the third down, which means you're probably going to punt. Well, in order to get to 40, you can't punt. (laughs) You just can't do it. You can't miss throws. You can't drop passes. You can't miss extra points. You can't miss field goals. You can't miss blocks. Like, you just have to dominate across the board. So, I I mean, there's there's just so much working against anything massively positive. On top of just the fact that the Packers suck week one. You can say, well, it's different this time because it's not... Rodgers and whatever, but it wasn't just Rodgers that struggled week one, and sometimes it wasn't him at all. It was a team issue, which means it's a Matt LaFleur issue, and last I checked, he's still our head coach. Maybe it was a different culture. I don't know. I don't know. I very much expect it to be a very, very close game. I don't see the Bears running up the score either. They don't have the firepower, and I don't see their defense really shutting down the Packers because their defense is too bad. If there was a blowout, it would seem to be the Packers that did it. They've got the horses. They've got the defense. But I just expect it to be a very frustrating game. And if we come out with a win at the end, that's all that really matters. But yes, I, I agree overall that Justin Fields just doesn't, doesn't look good. Um, I'm sure we're going to see some positive things. You know, it's, I mean, And that's the thing about Justin that's scary, is you think about pass rush. Well, you want to rush the passer. Yeah, but you're opening yourself up, especially when you rush the passer the way we were in the preseason. And this is what made me nervous about guys like Brenton Cox and guys like Carl Brooks and guys like Colby Wooden. They were reckless in their pass rushing. Reckless. Just, I'm going to run wherever I can, and there's wide open gaping holes in the middle of the field and off the edges. You have to contain. You cannot do that, which is going to lessen your ability to get to the quarterback. You have to just compress the pocket, period. That's it. That's all you're allowed to do. And even then, if you compress the pocket and Justin Fields can step up, so if like the edges are winning and the, the, the defensive tackles are not, he can step up and escape out the side, and then who's containing? Nobody. Because Rashawn just went around the back of him. He's gone, right? And so what else do you want to do? Well, you want to make sure that other people are watching. 
That means linebackers. That also means you're not playing man coverage, you're playing zone coverage, which is going to make everybody very angry, but you don't want to turn your back on Justin Fields because he's going to take off running, and our corners are going to be running away from him, not realizing that the quarterback's running. And this, by the way, is why a lot of teams want mobile quarterbacks. It really just limits what a defense is able to do. But, I mean, really, as much as everybody's tired of the Packers defense playing safe, I, I, I really feel like this is one of those times that would be my preference. Justin Fields cannot play without shooting himself in the foot. Limit explosive plays. Don't let him rip off a 60-yard touchdown run. Don't let him hit that 50-yard pass down the sideline. Take those away and force him to try to actually throw accurate passes all the way down the field and run the ball. Let that be the formula and we'll be okay. Not saying you can't rush the passer, but you're going to do it with four or five if you're in base or whatever. And you're going to do it by being gap sound. You're not going to play freaking nose tackle and run all the way up along the left side trying to get around somebody. Hey, Ryan. What's up? Um, hey. You're obviously listening to the podcast. That's what's up. Or not listening to the podcast, listening to our calls. Oh, my goodness. Hey, Cardinals. That was very smart. Anyways, um, so I'm calling you on the way home from work as I've been thinking about the Packers. And um, so something today that I was thinking about is how the three touchdowns that Jordan Love threw in the preseason were all to different receivers. And they were all in the red zone, and I think that that's actually really, really cool because it's none of the receivers were a tight end, right? And normally when you get into the red zone, like a tight end comes into the equation. But in this case, it was um, Dobbs, Watson, and Reed. And it shows that there's so many options for us, for Jordan Love, not for us, but for Jordan Love to throw to in the red zone. And it's kind of like, I mean, Romeo Dobbs out this last game, but at the same time, it's just like it shows that there is so much, so many different options to have to throw to people. Um, and so many different ways that they can use the red zone in the past, where it's like in the past it's been like a lob up to Devonte, it's been a corner out to Devonte, and uh, let's let's screen pass to Devonte. <laughs> um, it's it's just there's so many options, and it's really cool to see. Is and I'm yeah, um, so that's what that is. Um, but anyways, I'm trying to think if there's anyone that I can describe for your AI situation. Um, and I can't off the top of my head. So, hope that's going well. Anyways, I'll talk to you later. Uh, and bye. Yeah, the, the fact that we don't have essentially a clear number one, and that may emerge in the near future, but it really does help us so that when you get that sort of Bill Belichick philosophy of who do I hone in on, I don't know exactly what the best answer is. I am wondering if Dobbs is that guy. You saw what happened when he didn't play week three, and suddenly nobody's open. It could just be a coincidence, but everybody was wide open in week one, everybody was wide open in week two, he doesn't play week three, and now everybody's covered all day. But I had talked about that before in terms of it just seems like, and this was in training camp as well, the Packers do a really good job in the red zone. And one of the biggest differences between the Packers in 2020 and 2022, when they were the number one and definitely not the number one offense, 
was that exact number. Packers were the top team in converting in the red zone, and in 2022, they were kind of terrible at it. And we saw it. It was just they just could not figure out how to score a touchdown. So we'll see how it translates into the regular season. But so far in training camp and in the preseason, I mean, they've done a fantastic job getting touchdowns. And I mean, it's a tough part of the field. I mean, it's 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 like a completely different sport. It, it requires different strengths down there. It's one thing to be able to, you know, pick up yardage when you're on the 40-yard line. But when the field compresses, you need different things, different play calls, different types of receivers and running backs. So, so far positive. Ryan, Kyle from Madison. What's up, buddy? What up? Hey, just want to call in. So I left a message, I think it was yesterday, about uh, Love and some of the things he does, like Rodgers. In particular, I mean, the pound faking as you're running down the field I brought up, but the kind of bouncing on his feet as he's going through his reads. And uh, this morning, as I was getting ready for work, I was just kind of perusing YouTube. And uh, have you have you watched any of the, uh, I think it's quarterback school or something yeah, like that yeah, on YouTube? Yeah. Yep. I hadn't seen it before, and I just caught it. Uh, and it was interesting, he, he highlighted that. the same thing Yep. Uh, when he was going through some love tape from the, uh, the, the Seahawks game. And so I thought that was interesting. So at least I'm not the only one that saw that. But actually, I was kind of impressed by that guy's film breakdown. I believe it's quarterback school. Yes. I'm sure you're probably familiar with it, but I hadn't seen it before. Uh, as far as the roster, you probably that'll probably be out by the time this airs. But I would just—I think I'm going to predict they're going to go with two running backs. Uh, and I do think Cox makes the team. Um, I really do. I think I don't think he would make it through the practice squad. So that's my prediction. Otherwise, I do think Valentine and Valentine, obviously Valentine, but I think both of them make it as well. So we'll see how it plays out. Talk to you later. Yeah, you know, and it's it's kind of funny because... So on tomorrow's podcast, at least in the second half, I talk a little bit more about the Packers hype. And one of the things that I've just wondered about, now that you mentioned that, is... The thing that worked against the Packers, I wonder how much it's working in favor of the Packers right now. What I mean by that is, you think about the fact, why was there so much hate toward the Packers? It's because Aaron Rodgers left, and the the very ignorant assumption is, well, when Rodgers leaves, you have to just be bad now. Don't know why, but that's just a rule. Doesn't matter if Rodgers wasn't very good, none of that matters. Rodgers left, you don't have Rodgers, therefore you fail. Everybody else doesn't have Rodgers, except the Jets. But they're going to be fine. You, you're dead. What is it that's maybe working unfairly in our direction right now? Well, one thing to consider is not only does Jordan Love look pretty good, he looks like Rodgers when he does it. So everybody, and and again, it's kind of a silly thing, but everybody's immediately saying they did it again. And so when the Packers have success, nobody thinks he looks pretty good, maybe he'll be pretty good. Everybody's thinking either he's trash or he's going to be the next Aaron Rodgers which is completely dumb, but it, it I think it's working to our advantage because they're seeing a Packers quarterback who looks like Rodgers when he plays make pinpoint throws and just look generally pretty decent, and immediately everybody's mind doesn't just go to maybe he won't suck. It goes from he's going to suck and the team's terrible to dang, man, they just got another Aaron Rodgers. I can't believe they did three in a row. So I, I, I do wonder about that. I wonder how much maybe that kind of plays into it a little bit. Number one being, you know, again, he looks like Rodgers. And number two being, 
it's the Packers. And the Packers don't just get decent quarterbacks. They, they either draft garbage, I won't name names, but, you know, other people who have been through here in the last 10 years or so, or it's Favre Rogers continuations. I don't know. Anyways, we don't have too many calls, so I'm going to leave it at that and uh, leave us a little bit of buffer so that we can hopefully have one for tomorrow. You guys have a good rest of your night. I will talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye-bye.